Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Happy Monday to you, as we always do. On a Monday, uh, somebody comes into us to talk about some of the stories from the weekend that caught their eye today. It's the journalist June Shannon. Good afternoon, June. Hi, Sean. How are you? And now, there was a whole thing about putting calories on, on accounts of calories on menus. Mm-hmm. What happened to that? So it was only thanks to a journalist in the Sunday Times, and I need to um, uh, get his name here, that we learned. Um, sorry, it was Valerie Finn in the Sunday Times who reported on Sunday that the government has quietly shelved a plan to record calories to be published on menus, um, which was one of the main promises on the National Obesity Strategy. Mm. So the National Obesity Strategy was first published back in 2016 and it runs to 2025. And part of one of the many recommendations on that was that calorie count should be on menus, but it's been quietly removed. Now, in Valerie's piece, she mentions that, um, you know, it's it was they were talking about, you know, that there was no plans. It was taken away because of... Um, uh, resources were being redeployed during the pandemic but now suddenly it's it's gone it seems to have been shelved um, and I work I'm very privileged to work for the Irish Heart Foundation as their digital health journalist and um, you know they have said this weekend that they were like it was totally unacceptable to abandon that um, and they're three years out from the expiration of the strategy and the omission of one of the key policy and legislative actions is very concerning yeah. so the Irish Heart Foundation is calling for a clear explanation of what's going on and why it was shelved because it's one of a number of recommendations but you have to wonder if this one is gone are the others gone are the others gone well, as well on, on that uh, in the general obesity strategy mm. how much of that have they put in place so far there know? hasn't been very much in place so far unfortunately um, there's a lot of, of really good stuff in the strategy um, one of them in particular is for bariatric surgery funding for bariatric surgery for people who are living with obesity um, and there's been very, the funding is, is still, as far as I'm aware, been very limited. Um, and it's really serious because people are dying on waiting lists for bariatric surgery. Remember um, Professor Helen Heenan, who was on News Talk this morning with Kira Galley. Um, she is a consultant bariatric surgeon. And um, she spoke to me back in, twi- in a few years ago and she told me in 2018, research had shown that nine patients had died over the previous five years because the waiting times for bariatric surgery in this country can be up to seven years. So, you know, yeah. and obesity is a chronic, complex condition um, and people are dying with obesity. It's it leads to a number of chronic conditions like diabetes, cardiovascular disease um, ca- some cancers. And there's a huge stigma attached as well to obesity. Of and course, it's something yeah. that we don't we don't really talk about. And there's this feeling that people, if you're living with obesity or overweight, therefore you are lazy, you eat too much, you don't move enough. And it's such a simple an inaccurate description of overweight mm. and obesity. It's so complex. It's down to the environment, your genes, your genetic makeup. It's been defined as one as a chronic disease and a chronic illness. Yet, you know, the same as cancers or other diseases. Um, and it needs medical treatment and it needs people need support through their disease. Yeah. I wonder about the calorie count thing, though. Maybe they just didn't want to put extra pressure on restaurants, given they're emerging from... A pretty difficult period, but a mildly for them. Yeah, I mean, there there may be that. We don't know. We're going to wait and see what the response is on this. And it's great that we've heard about it. Um, And yeah, I I get it that restaurants have had pressures as well. But it it works. I think it works because it just gives you the option. I don't know if you've ever seen a calorie count on on a menu. I was out for dinner a good while ago and it definitely makes you stop and think. Mm. So it's for personally, I think it's a great, a great idea. You can ignore it and just have whatever you want. Yeah. But 
when you see the amount of calories, you go, oh my goodness, and you add it up in your head. It definitely makes you stop and think and maybe yeah. choose the healthier option or, you know, or yeah, not. I, I think there is want. some research that it does have some effect on, on, definitely on has. adapting it, it, people's choices. It's shown to um, help people make a healthier choice in a restaurant if they want to. Yeah. And it's such a small thing. Yeah. But um, it will be very helpful. But we need to, like, do a lot more of people living with overweight and obesity because it's very stigmatised. Uh, maybe, yeah. It's one of those old things that has probably just slipped down the agenda because there's, you know, so many other things uh, concerning us uh, at the moment. Yeah. One of which, of course, is uh, is the, the the homing crisis. And we heard, already, had you heard in the news bulletins today, house prices have gone up by 15%. It's, oh, my goodness. It's That's just nuts. Uh, and renting has never been so difficult in this country. Renting is... It's frightening now. The draft report last week said that there was less than a thousand properties available to rent in the entire country. So what's happening, I think, is people who have rent or in rented accommodation are staying put. They don't. Well, obviously, there's nowhere to go to anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have people paying extraordinary rent, like extortionate rents. It's absolutely crazy. There's a piece in the Independent um, on by Niall Toner, and he writes about the. He said, forget about buying that rents are going so fast that people have nowhere to go. There's nowhere to live if you're, yeah. if you're renting and you can't afford the rents. And I mean, the average rent in Dublin City for a two-bed, he writes, in um, 2022 was €2,119 Euro a yes. month. So that could, that's like t- twice the salary. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're on minimum wage, what do you do? I mean, it's, it's absolutely frightening. Um, and people are spending all their income into rent, into ridiculous cost, costed rent. So they've got nothing left. So it's literally month to month, hand to mouth existence. And it's totally unfair and it needs to be addressed really fast. Yeah. Though, as well, and even the, 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 the process, like I have a family member going through this and the process of trying to find a place yeah. is just soul destroying in, in that you just have to sit on daft and keep refreshing the page until one pops up. You don't even look at what's in it. No. It could have pictures of rats in it, but you <laughs> immediately send it. off an application. Yeah. But you can't just take it. That's the thing, that, that, that if maybe you're one of the first 10 people to have applied for that, mm-hmm. you might be called to a viewing. Okay. And, but you're not viewing the, uh, the apartment. They're viewing you. To see, yeah. are you know which one is the most acceptable? It's a beauty contest among tenants, and then yeah. they go, oh, "We'll choose that one." And um, you know, you don't know who you know who's turning up. And a lot of you know people turning up are kind of, well, I work in, I'm an accountant, and and you know my partner is a brain surgeon, kind yeah. of thing, and you can't compete with that. No, it's crazy. It's stuff. crazy, and the, the costs are ridiculous. I mean, we're renting. I've been renting for the last sixteen years. And at my age, it's really worrying. You know, I was saying to you earlier, mm. people think it's younger people living at home, mum and dad. It's not. There's a whole generation of more senior people who are renting still. Um, and we're very lucky. We have a lovely landlady and we're living in Dalkey at a really reasonable rent for Dalkey. But if, God forbid, we had to move, there's no way we could stay where we are now. Just forget it. And my daughter's at school there and our lives are there. Yeah. We've been there for 16 years. And that's just our story. But there's loads of people out there who are living, you know, you do live in fear of the, the renewal late date coming up and the landlord ringing and saying, actually, I'm really sorry, but I'm selling up or, you know, um, I want to do work on the house or whatever. And their whole lives just like, what do you do? There's nowhere to go. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I don't know what they can do about it because it just seems to be the physical stock uh, is diminishing for it, whatever reason. The physical stock, but also maybe the controls. The, the price of rent, I think, needs to be controlled. It's ridiculous that people are spending all their income on rent. Mm, yeah. and as well as the cost of everything else in this country, like childcare, increasing costs of living. Um, you know, something's got to give. 
Yeah. And maybe some security of ten- tenancy for le- for residents as well. well there, I mean, there are rent pressure zones and, and there's some controls at the moment. There's but, some and controls. And there's but, an argument that some landlords have got out of the market because of that. Yeah. But so, I think it's definitely like a landlord's market and there needs to be more supports for because yeah. there's so many out there. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, maybe the, the yeah. May, I, I don't know how you do it, but maybe the way they're going about it isn't is not so efficient as it could be. Perhaps yeah. that maybe people need. Um, what plus also, I mean, you can get yeah, you can get a hat payment, but and technically speaking, a landlord's supposed to accept that. But we but there's no way of policing that. No. And apparently, if a landlord takes on a per, a tenant with a hat, they have to wait for a while. There's a lag while they're waiting for the you know. <laughs> The, the, the machinery of government to get right. in goes so they start getting the payments. So that's not much of an incentive to them to do that. No, and you've heard so many stories of people refusing HAP as yeah. well, you know, which is totally unfair and against the law, Yeah, I think. But, it know, is, it's it is. surprising. And I mean, if it you is. want to buy a place, forget it. You know, if you're in a rented accommodation and you're saving and squirreling away to get your own home, which is what a lot of people would like to do, Forget it, because you're paying so much in rent that you can't save for your deposit. I mean, we're paying rent. We're also paying childcare, which is crazy. So, you know, you're you're living month to month, paying your rent, paying food bills, childcare, etc. You can't save because there's nothing to put yeah. away. Yeah. Well, now, there was somebody, I forget now who it was, but there was somebody around, I think it was in the Irish Times the weekend, saying that this is all going up and up, but eventually there'll be an explosion and uh, and house prices to buy, at least, Will uh, uh, drop dramatically, so there might be that. I'll wait for that. So that would that's be. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Uh, there needs to be a vacant property tax to free up stock just sitting there. It needs to happen now, uh, says one texter. I, w- I would imagine it's probably that plus a whole basket of other things uh, mm-hmm. need to be done. Now this hepatitis. No, it's not. This isn't the new COVID. I mean, it's no, not. No, it's, no, it's not no, on no. a massive scale, but it is kind of puzzling that kids are getting hepatitis. Yeah, it's really, it's really puzzling, is the word, and it's not something you know to be overly worried about or concerned about for parents out there. Um, obviously, it's terrible for the the family of the child who died. We've had one death in Ireland. Oh gosh. Um, and the Health Protection Surveillance Centre, who published things regularly on 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 these cases, um, gave published an update on on uh, Thursday. And so since March, we've had six probable cases of called hepatitis of unknown cause in Ireland. All of them were children aged one and 12 and all were hospitalised. Um, one child received liver transplant and there's been one death associated with the disease. So it's very strange. Scientists are still wondering what's underlying and what's causing it. Mm. It's very unusual. <clears throat> Excuse me. They are looking at, um, they're kind of looking at information in relation that it could be linked to the adenovirus infection. So adenovirus is a very common childhood illness that causes common childhood illnesses like colds, vomiting, diarrhea that kids get all the time. And it doesn't cause hepatitis, but a very, very, very rare complication mm-hmm. of this is hepatitis. Um, and it's very rare, but it's it's worrying. It's concerning. It's also intriguing as to what's going on and desperate for the poor children who are very sick. Yeah. And for the family who've lost someone. Yeah, no, as you said, there's been tragically one death, but only about six cases in Ireland yeah, so six far. Six cases so far. You know, it's a small number, but it's more than usually be expected over this period of time. So it's something that needs to be looked into. And basically, parents just need to look out for any symptoms. So if your child has things like pale coloured poo, dark urine, yellowing of the eyes and the skin. So there are three other symptom, main symptoms. Just contact your GP without delay. And GPs are on on the lookout for it. Yeah. But it is very, very rare. 
but just good to be aware of it and parents to be aware of it as well. And, but, you know, while something like this happens and there's still some question marks as to what's causing it, misinformation uh, rushes in uh, and wild as speculation always. to tell you exactly what yeah, the cause is. Exactly. And uh, social media was alive with, the, well, what, what, do you, what do you expect? You've given this vaccine to kids. People are using this narrative saying, oh, that's, that's COVID or that's COVID vaccine. It's not. It's categorically not. Children who've affected by hepatitis of unknown cause um, in the UK and Ireland and were too young to be vaccinated. So it's not the COVID vaccine right. at all. They are looking at a possible link with COVID, but they're not sure the COVID infection itself, but not the children in Ireland and none of them had COVID as far as I'm aware. So there is a kind of a global look at this as well. But it was not caused by COVID nineteen vaccination. Right. Okay. But that caused everything. That caused oh, the yeah. war in Ukraine. That's, that's the renting that, That's crisis. absolutely what the what the vaccine did. And you know, because uh, being a health journalist is your speciality, uh, I have to ask you about the National Maternity Hospital. Uh, what's your take uh, on this? Because people have, <coughs> with goodwill on both sides, but there seems to be a very genuine and profound disagreement as to perhaps how to proceed with this. There is a very general, very profound um, disagreement on both sides, and both sides have voices that are like so reputable, so respected. Um, you know, Peter Boylan is just one of the most distinguished gynecologists in the country. Um, and then you have the current master of Hollow Street writing in the papers on Sunday. Um, and it was, you know, very, very strong. You know, he put his reputation on the line. Let me just find it for you here. Um, so this is the current master. Excuse me while I find it. Yeah, so we have Shane Higgins, who's Professor Shane Higgins is a master of NMH at the moment. Mm. Um, and he has said, um, you know, long, um, I am putting my professional credibility and reputation on the line when I promise that concerns about religious influence are misplaced. I and my medical midwifery and nursing colleagues in the NMH would not sign up to anything that wasn't 100% going to guarantee every single mother and baby treated at the new hospital will be entitled to every procedure that is legal now or made legal in the future. Right. So that's very strong of him saying, you know, this isn't a worry. But then you've other voices saying it is a worry. I can personally, I would like it just to go. I want it to be built as quickly as possible. I think everyone feels that. It's yeah. been delayed for so long. Um, National Maternity Hospital is a brilliant hospital, but it's very old. It's, it's you know, it's not fit for purpose anymore. Tiny rooms, tiny corridors, etc. And um, we need a new hospital. Another point on this that, that kind of hasn't been mentioned, but is, you know, also within the plans for the new hospital in Vincent's is a mother and baby unit for for mothers suffering with uh, postnatal um, mental health disorders. And we don't have one on the island of Ireland. There's a number of units in England, but there's no unit in Ireland. So at the moment in Ireland, if a mother gets severely mentally unwell um, after the birth of her baby, there's nowhere for her to go with her baby. So she's separated yes. from her baby yeah. at that stage which is detrimental to the health of the mother and the baby. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's a number of women after birth suffer from things like, you know, psychosis, etc., um, postnatally. Um, and at the moment, there's nowhere for them to go. So a mother and baby unit, the first on the island of Ireland was planned for this National Maternity Hospital as well. Yeah. So there's other developments there that are being delayed. Yeah, you see, I suppose while there's a kind of a... I really understand the argument about we need to get this done as uh, as soon as possible, but I also understand the kind of profound suspicion that people have as to why are these where are, are why are the are all these odd clauses in there? Why didn't they just gift it? It's it, it seems 
even though it's this is not you know it's now passed over to a company that's not in direct control of the Vatican. It's there seems to be a bit of mealy mouthedness going on at the same time still and. Why is that? That's going to make people more suspicious. It's still. Got, definitely going to make people more suspicious. And there's, you know, people are still wondering. And there was a rally at the weekend and hundreds of people turned up. And I totally understand the suspicion, particularly when it comes to women's health in Ireland and the church's control of it, because it was been in control for way too long. I mean, I remember writing, I did a piece years ago about this and the history of the church involvement in women's health. Um, and it's been going on forever. I mean, there was a time in the 60s when women went for a sterilisation or um, tying up their tubes that some porters in hospitals wouldn't accompany the lady down to the operation because they were against the fact that she was having this operation. Yeah. You know, it's it's been going on for decades and decades. So women, of course, are concerned and worried and you yeah. can't blame them. Uh, no, you can't. But I mean, is there is there anything that would look well, I suppose, other than, you know, the, the gifting the land to the state and, and therefore there's at zero church involvement, even peripherally in this. Yeah, that's really the only answer. So why don't they do that? That's a big question as well. You know, yeah. that's again. Hence the suspicion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, so like, but I, you know, but it seems like as if they've. The state has gone out of its way to kind of secure these things, though, you know, that that phrase about, uh, um, you know, medically... Um, medically appropriate. Clinically appropriate. So yes. Um, seems to be open to a certain amount of... I think it's giving the decision if it's the doctor's decision. So, you know, it's yeah. clinically appropriate, whether it is or not. And then who's making that decision? Yeah. So... Uh, right, on the subject of uh, just uh, uh, going back to calories where we started, yeah. uh, Paul says, I'm a nutritionist and health coach with decades of experience working with people mostly through activity classes, fitness classes and swimming classes. I don't believe calorie counting would make any difference to our obesity crisis. Firstly, there are good and bad calories. Being healthy isn't about calories. It's about what we eat. For instance, cutting out fats isn't always good. We need fats. Your guest is very wrong when she said it's not about eating uh, and uh, it's not it's not about eating and not moving. In my experience, it's mostly about what people eat and how much portion sizes, etc. and bad foods stroke calories. It's also to do with the lack of activity by people. People simply eat too much and aren't active enough. It's also a mental health issue for a lot of people. Well, I think, Paul, that was specifically in relation to obesity, which okay, is yeah. a, a clinical uh, condition. But people have made that argument there, though, that in general, cal- you know, calorie counting isn't that useful. Yeah, and, and he mentions about, you know, it's nothing to do with, with uh, anything else. It's 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 kind of eat less, move more. And that, that agreement has been discounted by clinicians working in the area, by specialists. It's not that simple. If it was that simple, you know, it would have been sorted. You know, people are living with a chronic complex disease Mm -hmm. and they need support. And this is just one small thing that might help all of us to eat more healthy. Yeah. June, thanks a million as ever. Uh, That's uh, June Shannon there. Uh, Let's uh, what might solve a lot of our problems is a few more, Bob. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.